everybody, and welcome back to Bernstein Insights, where we cover trends in the economy, markets, and asset allocation for long-term investors. I'm Matt Palazzolo, and again, today, we're joined by Greg Young, Senior Portfolio Manager, who's on the phone today and will help us discuss disruption in the grocery part of retailing. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Matt. Good to be back. So in our last podcast, we discussed the changes afoot going on in the retail sector, specifically the influences of e-commerce, physical reorientation of stores, and then consolidation in the sector. Today, I want to focus specifically on grocery, something that we all know and do on a fairly regular basis. How are these changes impacting the way we buy food and the way food will be sold in the future? That's a great question. We think that grocery is going to experience a substantial amount of disruption, and it's relevant, as you mentioned, because it's something most of us do very frequently. Who hasn't been in a grocery store? Beyond that, it's just a very substantial component of retailing in the U.S. The U.S. grocery market by itself is the largest in the world. It's over a trillion dollars. That's one-third of the global grocery market. But at least here in the U.S., it's significantly underdeveloped, for instance, when it comes to e-commerce. So it's ripe for disruption. Um, Add to that the fact that grocery is so high frequency um, and it's so logistically vast. We think that anyone who controls it or at least it dominates in that area will have a great stepping stone into other retail categories, if from nothing else, just sheer force of consumer habits. So grocery is ripe for the picking, if you don't mind the pun. My wife and I already buy the majority of our groceries online, but we're in the middle of a, of a metropolis, right? We're in the middle of New York City. So um, I can understand how this is, you know, our experience is not broad-based across the country, The one area that we've had challenges with over the last couple of years is finding the freshest produce or being comfortable with what we're purchasing or about to purchase online related to uh, fruits and vegetables, uh, the cut of meat and so forth. How will grocery overcome that seemingly significant challenge? Yeah, grocery is somewhat unique in that um, when it comes to competing against e-commerce, Uh, It's an example where having stores actually does not put you at a cost uh, disadvantage. It's actually an advantage. When you think about using trucks full of pallets with cheap, bulky, low-margin grocery products to deliver them to store-based locations, it's far and away the most cost-efficient way of distributing grocery items. So, Grocers, grocers start off with a big advantage, but how that industry evolves and adapts, particularly to e-commerce, is going to be key. And as you described, the way we look at this, e-commerce is going to force a couple of very important changes in grocery. First of all, it really creates new channels. Think of this as um, you know, you and your wife buying the same product from the same retailer at the same time, the same price. But now you can save time by placing that order online and getting it delivered or picking it up uh, at a store close to your location. So a new channel. The other change really is by creating or breaking down shopping into different missions. So think of the first one as sort of replenishment grocery. These are the the same items that we consume week in and week out. But instead of going up and down the aisles, 
or laundry detergent. Uh, you let technology do the work. Think of the Amazon Dash button. That's one way to do it. Or Alexa, using voice-based ordering. can really take the drudgery out of grocery shopping. Um, the other feature would be then, particularly in the more dense urban locations, might be having things delivered or, more specifically, express grocery. That would mean getting a basket of groceries, typically, you know, a dozen or so uh, items right now or at least, you know, within a short period of time. Probably the most well-known version of that would be Amazon Prime Now. So there's clearly going to be changes afoot, and it's not going to involve all of us having to go up and down aisles in grocery stores. So now you had mentioned in our previous podcast consolidation. Is that something that's relevant for grocery going forward? I mean, I've, I've seen grocers in my neck of the woods open and close with fairly high frequency. Is that something we can expect on a broader basis across the country? That's right, Matt. We think that the consolidation is really inevitable. Um, let me give you some numbers to back that up. You look at the four largest grocers in the U.S. combined, they only control about 43% of the market. That means there's this massive tail of smaller, independent, think of them as mom-and-pop grocers operating around the country, probably 21,000 or so of the 36,000 grocers are these independent, very small-scale grocers that are not only under pressure from their larger sort of traditional grocery chains that are coming under pressure from e-commerce and now from well-capitalized discount chains from Europe that are coming in. So this inability to operate with any scale or buying power really presents an existential threat to all but the largest players in this space. I know um, that a lot of those mom and pops do, though, have a fair amount of loyalty from the customers that go there every single day. So I would have to think that at some point, e-commerce and the pressures that you're talking about do plateau. And whether we're talking about grocery or otherwise, your local mom and pop store does ultimately exist, probably on a, a significantly lower level than what the numbers that you've shared to this point. But at some point, it has to level out. No, I think you're right. I think consumers tend to be loyal. Uh, inertia is a powerful thing. We get used to visiting the same place. And so there's probably always going to be some segment that will survive. But it's much more the case that, that grocers really across the board, that that whole experience and how they're stocking products and how they're interacting with their customers is just going to have to change. It's really inevitable. Um, and it's fascinating because not to dig too deep into this, but we think in this particular area that China is an interesting example of what the future could look like. For a whole host of reasons, grocery stores really did not develop in China the way they have here in the U.S. And so in some important ways, they're already ahead, uh, whether it's from the integration of technology or just turning grocery, changing it from just this dreary experience of stocking up on canned goods and consumer products now to much more of an experience, you know, allowing the consumer to interact with the food in a much more enjoyable way. We think really ultimately that's going to be where grocery is headed. Let's just flesh out this point with um, because we're bumping up against our time. I guess if we were to look out a number of years, what's the grocery experience look like for me? Yeah, the grocery experience is going to have a very strong influence on what the successful grocery store of the future looks like. And when we 
think about who probably wins in this space. It's going to be those that can develop stores that really accomplish a number of different things. First of all, that physical location, as we mentioned, is actually an advantage um, to groceries. So distribution is an important component. The logistics of grocery are very, very high cost. So the store will serve both as a traditional physical location to sell, but also think of it as a fulfillment center for online shopping, uh, delivery and pickup, et cetera. The second component will be the store will serve as really as a marketing platform. Think back to customer data, right? Most customers would probably be store members. They'll be interacting with the store from pre-ordering to payment, probably through a mobile app. Um, This will really allow the grocer to develop much richer insights into its customers and really be able to personalize their offerings, their assortment of goods. Third would be services, new services that we talked about, like auto replenishment, really help to make consumers' lives easier, save us all material amounts of time. And then the fourth and final, as we described, is really the experience. The store of the future will be likely much smaller than a traditional grocery store, typically would be located uh, in a more densely populated part. The majority of items that we would normally see in a grocery store would be stocked in a warehouse that's adjacent to the store. This would free up the floor space for fresh products, for on-site dining, for the ability for shoppers to come in and interact with food and really sort of experience the product. So we look at this and we think that shopping, obviously for groceries, isn't going away. But we think the days of pushing a shopping cart past shelves that are stocked to the ceiling with cereal boxes and laundry detergent may soon be a thing of the past. Well, at least on a personal level, that's good news for me. I can't stand grocery shopping. So if if that experience can get improved (laughs) at all, that's um, a lot more upside relative to what I have to deal with today. So, Greg, thanks a lot. As as I mentioned to you uh, at the end of our podcast for uh, the retail sector in general, this sector is changing a lot. We appreciate all of your insights, sharing them with our listeners. So for all of you out there listening, thanks very much. And you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.